You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Presented by Select Blinds and Arrow Fastener. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on your summer projects. If there's a DIY on your to-do list, give us a call. Let's talk about it. We'll help you get it done once, help you get it done right, and you can just move on with the rest of your summer day. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. You can also post your question at moneypit.com or on facebook.com slash the money pit. Well, summer marks the riskiest time of year for pool drownings, which is actually the leading cause of death with young children. So we want to do something about that today by explaining the best way to back up parental supervision and keep your kids safe. It's a pool safety approach called layers of protection and we'll review it in just a bit. Plus, replacing your front door is a project that can increase both your home's value and its curb appeal. We're going to share some tips on how you can get that project done. And if you're ready for an easy indoor decor project, adding new blinds can be just that. But when you measure your windows to order, there are two mounting options to consider, inside versus outside. Both look great, but one might be a better choice for you. We'll tell you how to decide. And you guys, this is the last week to enter our DIY Dad giveaway. We've got 10 sets of tools from Arrow to give away to 10 lucky winners. Check out all the details at moneypit.com. But first, we want to know what you want to know, so give us a call right now. Let's talk about your home improvement, your home decor, your home remodeling project. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Kay from South Carolina is on the line joining us and needs some help renovating an older home. Tell us about it. We have a property that um, in the neighborhood it's going through a regentrification. The home hasn't been lived in in over seven years, and I'm trying to troubleshoot what will it take to get that house back up and, and running. Okay. Um, what, what steps do I need to check? To, to take to start to evaluate where my costs are going to be. So you say nobody's in it now. Have the utilities been on, or has it been completely vacant with no utilities? Completely vacant, no utilities. There's a number of things that you want to do with a house at this stage. Uh, the first thing I might consider doing to kind of give you uh, just um, a good overall sense as to what it's going to take is to hire a professional home inspector to do an inspection of that home and explain that you're trying to identify what kinds of, of work it's going to need so that you could either remodel it yourself or, or sell it or, or whatever your intentions are for this Can you place. do that at this point, Tom, with none of the utilities on? 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's going to be challenging because part of the issue is going to be, you know, utilities are off. Do we know if it was proper, all the pipes were properly drained before that happened, or we can have big surprises when the water's turned back on or the gas is turned back on. So yes, the inspector is not going to be able to tell you everything, but considering that this house has been vacant for so long, I think you might be able to get a good sense as to where you're going in terms of next steps and identify what the biggest projects are. And then, you know, once you kind of know where you're going with that, you could consider hiring an architect to help you plan the renovation if it needs a lot of work. I would recommend that because an architect can look big picture and make sure that, um, you know, whatever you're going to do that is going to be consistent with whatever budget you want to put out for it. And and then also, of course, you need to have a sense as to what the value is so you can make that cost uh, analysis in terms of whether it's it's worthy of putting in whatever, however number of dollars, you know, you have to put in there to kind of fix this place up. But just to kind of get you started, since uh, you don't really have a baseline here, I think it would be well worth the uh, three or four dollars to hire a professional home inspector, I would recommend that you go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. Uh, that is homeinspector.org is their website. And those guys, um, if they're certified members of ASHI is the acronym, the American Society of Home Inspectors, that's going to be sort of the cream of the crop, the better inspectors in your area. You can enter a zip code and get presented with a list of inspectors. And you can call and speak with them and find one that you feel like you can connect with that can address this issue. But then you'll have a much better idea of what you're getting involved with here. You won't know it all, but I think you'll be much farther along. Okay. Well, thank you so much. All right. Now we've got Daryl from New Jersey on the line who's got a question about a porch. What's going on? Um, we have, so this house has a wraparound porch and I'm redoing the porch because a lot of it's rotted. Uh, it's probably about three feet off the ground. Do I need to uh, add in any kind of vapor barrier underneath the porch? You don't have to add a vapor barrier under a porch. You have to, you, it's wise to put a vapor barrier in a crawl space, but under a porch, it's usually wide open anyway. And I don't know how you're going to finish off the outside, but if you're going to use lattice or skirting. Yeah, lattice. You know, when it comes to lattice, if you purchase a wood lattice, that can be very time consuming to maintain. There's a product out that's fairly new by Trex. Their website is Trex Lattice Works plural, trexlatticeworks.com. And what's cool about this stuff is it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's made of composite, which means it's never going to need to be painted. It comes in white and black. It comes in the sort of standard checkerboard look and also has some different patterns. And if I was redoing my porch today, that's what I would use because that lattice is a tough area to have to maintain because it's you know close to the ground and because it's damp down there. So I think composites are a really good choice for that, and it would be worth uh, investing in a product like that. Great. Thank you so much. Love your show. Really appreciate the help. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Well, to celebrate dad, we've got our sweepstakes DIY dad giveaway. And this is the last week you can enter to win some tools for dad. We've got 10 sets of tools from Arrow to give away to 10 lucky winners. Each set's worth 120 bucks. It includes both a T50 and a PT50 Arrow staple gun, as well as an Arrow GT300 high temp glue gun. These tools are perfect for taking on dozens of projects around the house. And they're going to give your dad years of use. That's right. You can enter once a day at moneypit.com and be sure to take advantage of the many ways that you can earn some extra entries by subscribing to our podcast or visiting us on social media. Now the sweepstakes ends Sunday night at midnight. So enter now at moneypit.com. Jackie in Illinois is looking for some small garden decor tips. What's going on? Tell us about your space. I just purchased my home. It'll be a year, the second of next month. And my yard is big enough for me, but yet well enough for anybody else. What I would like to do is um, put, like, a, a garden area up along the west side of my fence without having to dig the yard up and make the yard look real tacky. Uh, do you have any hints, suggestions, ideas? So you have a fence along this one wall. You want to put a garden or a flower bed in front of that. What is the rest of the space? Uh, well, it's... Um, my backyard is fenced in, and okay. from my garage, which is on the east side of the property, clean, clear to the west side, uh, I get plenty of sunlight. Okay, but is it grass? Is it patio? The biggest portion of the yard is grass. I've got, like, a small patio area, like, right next to the garage. And if I could just put, like, a flower bed or a place uh, 
that I can put like a small garden is where what I would like to do. I kind of like to use um, the landscape lim- lumber, but I don't know how much to get or how to go about putting it up. All right. Well, my first thought, since you've got this patio area in front of the garage, and the garage is probably just, you know, a blank wall of whatever the siding material is, my first thought is to do a great little seating area in front of there. And you need to think about, you know, are you looking to sit at a table or do you want to sit at like, you know, a small settee, you know, a little couch area with a chair. So think about how you would like to use that space. Are you looking for eating and entertaining or more like lounging and relaxing? Mainly like uh, eating and entertaining. Yeah, so definitely a table, umbrella, some chairs there. That's great and does not have to cost a ton of money. I mean, you can find some at home centers you know, department stores that specialize in home decor for very affordable amounts. Now, on that back wall with the garage that's kind of, you know, lackluster, you can either do a trellis with some potted plants on either side with a climber like a clematis or an ivy or a night-blooming jasmine, something that will sort of grow up and out of the pots and onto the trellis. You know, I did this on the side of my garage with two potted clematis, and I have this beautiful, you know, wrought iron trellis that I found that I've put, you know, you know, twinkling white Christmas lights on and the clematis sort of takes over it in the summer months and blooms and smells fantastic. And it's just lovely to sit in front of. You can do something like that very inexpensively and very easily as well. Now, as far as a flower bed on the opposite side, I mean, you're really not going to sacrifice that much yard space if you do dig up a portion of that lawn. And that really is the best way to do it, to create a flower bed. And what you can do is you can use either that... um you know, landscaping lumber or even stones, um, river rock or, you know, field stones stacked up to create a little wall for a flower bed. Just remove that layer of grass, fill it in with potting soil and plant away. And that really is a great way to create a flower bed. And if you go sort of creatively with your shape and edge it a bit, you're not giving up that much lawn space. I thank you so much for your help and I greatly appreciate it. Well, if you have kids and you have a pool, you know that pool safety is a big job. And while nothing can be a substitute for you keeping a close eye on your kids around the pool, there is one very important thing that you can do to back up parental supervision. Now, it's an approach that's called layers of protection. And it's essentially just that. It's multiple ways to keep your kids away from the pool when no one is watching. And it includes fences, pool covers, and alarms. Yep. So first, let's talk about fences, because when they're properly designed and installed, they are by far the most effective deterrent against drowning. But pool fence, it's actually quite different than any other type of fence. First, it's got to be foresighted, of course, completely surround the pool and be at least four feet high. But it also must be what's called non-climbable because, for example, you can't use a standard chain link fence because the holes, the squares, the space, it's just too big and kids can slip a toe in there and climb it. Instead, you need a special type of chain link with smaller openings. So these fences are designed specifically to be around pools and they, whether they're chain link or whether they're another type of fence, they are designed so kids cannot climb them. Very 
important. Now, that's super important, and especially when it comes to a fence, you got to have a gate, and the gate tends to be the weakest link in all of that pool fencing. So your gate has to be self-closing and self-latching. That means it's going to slam shut if it's left open, and those gate latches should be mounted at least 54 inches off the ground and have child-proof release mechanisms so that the kid can't just reach up and let themselves in. Now, pool covers, those are also really good at giving you maximum amounts of protection really next to the fence. Now, your best option is an automatic pool cover, and you can use it between swims rather than only at the end of the season. The covers are motor-driven, and with the flick of a switch, they automatically creep across the pool and seal out access to the water. So let's shift now to talk about the alarms. There are pool alarms, door alarms, and fence alarms, and they're all very, very important. So let's talk about a combination that works for you. First off, the door alarms. These are battery-powered. They're installed on exterior doors leading to the pools. Now, if the door is open without depressing this child-proof bypass button that they all have, the alarm is going to sound within seven seconds, and it stays on until it's disabled by an adult. The alarm's also effective in preventing an adult from leaving a door open. If the door's open for more than 10 seconds, it's also going to ring. So they're very, very important, especially in cases where you don't have a fence on four sides. Sometimes folks only have a fence on three sides of the house, and the house itself becomes that the fourth wall of the fence. Well, if it's going to be a fence, it's got to be alarmed, right? Very important. Now, aside from those door alarms, that gate on your fence, that should also be alarmed. And they make those for the fence gates as well. And that's going to give you an added layer of protection and function the same way. If it's opened, it's going to sound. Now, another alarm you can have is a pool alarm. And pool alarms are designed to detect the splash that occurs if a child falls into the pool. Now, a CPSC study is looking at three types of pool alarms and found that the best performers were underwater alarms compared to the less reliable options of floating pool alarms or wristband alarms that are worn by the children. Now, when you're purchasing a pool alarm, you always want to buy the type that includes a remote receiver alarm so that you can monitor the pool from inside your home, even with the door closed or the air conditioning on. Now, just keep in mind that while pool alarms might provide emergency notification if a kid does fall in, none of these are substitutes for fences or covers or any other type of protective measure, including you. You are the number one protective measure for keeping kids safe. So while these are great backups, you really need to focus on your ability to keep an eye on those kids when they are around those pools. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now. We'd love to chat with you about your next home improvement project. Thurman in Massachusetts is on the line and needs some help with a garage floor. What's going on, Thurman? Well, yes, I've seen some uh, some interesting uh, pictures of very snazzy-looking uh tiling on, on, on floors of the garage. Of course, this wouldn't be ceramic tile. These are special, uh, uh, usually rather, actually rather thin tiles. And uh, I just wondered if you've uh, experienced any experience with them or had any recommendations of uh, what what to look for. Sure. I actually um, put garage floor tile down in, in my garage, which sort of doubles as my studio, last summer. And I used a product called Lock Tile. It looks a bit like a, pu- a puzzle piece. They have, they're about 20 by 20 and they have a, a puzzle edge on them. And you lay them down on top of the concrete floor. Uh, they snap together, so to speak, and there's a transition strip for where the door uh, goes. Um, I'm really happy with the look and the durability of them. 
I did have one issue with what's called flashing, which means when they make the tile, they overport some of the joints. So you have a little bit of extra material that comes out that you have to clean off. So that took me a little while in terms of the installation. But I think the product worked very well. You know, that's one option for garage floors. You also have uh, different types of mats. Some are more durable than others that you can lay down. And then, of course, you've got a wide range of epoxy floorings to choose from. And that's those are really the options. What are you using this for mostly? Is it a space that you're working in, or are you just looking for a place for the car? Or? Uh, it really is a garage, and I have a lot of other things in there. But I just thought it would look nice uh, because I do have a – the garage is a, has, actually has a ceiling and it's painted. And, you know, it looks kind of nice anyway. So I thought I would just uh, stand it up. <laughs> do you uh, do you actually keep your car in there? Yes, I actually do. <laughs> All right, there you go. You're unlike many across the country, uh, including myself, who do more work in the garage than keep our, our, our cars in there. Um, I will tell you that with some of the tile products, you have to also put a finish over them because they uh, can react with the rubber tires. So you want to make sure that you read carefully all the options for the different tile products and make sure it's one that can stand up to hot tires especially, which you'll get in the summer. I see. Okay. Now, so the lock tile is not a... An epoxy approach. That's, that's no, that's a puzzle piece. It's a, it's, it, is, it is a physical tile that you snap together. Their website is locktileusa.com. You could start there. There are others. Um, I just happened to find them in like the product and uh, and was and did sort of a two tone um, approach. And if you also if you go to moneypit.com and and search garage floor, we actually put a time lapse video um, of of the actual tile installation on that site as oh. well. Oh sure. Okay. Great. Right, okay. Thank you very much. Good luck, Thurman. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Pam in Missouri is on the line and has a question about installing a dimmer, a great do-it-yourself project. How can we help you, Pam? I have a room that has fluorescent lighting in it, and there's two entries into that room. So there's a light switch on each door, so it's a two-way switch. Can I put a sensor on that so that when you walk in and walk out, the lights come on and go off? Are you asking me if you can? Can you put a sensor on that? Yes. Is your concern that you want the lights to come on automatically, or is your concern that you don't want people to leave the lights on when no one's in the room? Both. Well, I guess you could use an occupancy sensor switch there, but you would need to set it in vacancy mode, not occupancy mode. See, in occupancy mode, the light comes on when there's motion. So if you had a three-way, what could happen is you walk in the room, the switch closest to you picks up your motion, turns the lights on. You continue halfway through the room till the one on the other side picks it up and turns the lights off. So that wouldn't work too well. A better option might be to just replace one side of it, just one of the switches, with an occupancy sensor, but set it in what's called the vacancy mode. So what that means is you manually turn the light switch on, but if there's no motion in the room, it will automatically go off. So we use these, for example, in the bedrooms upstairs at our house because kids turn lights on, but as as we all know, kids don't turn the lights off. So if you set it in the vacancy mode, they can turn the lights on, then they'll go off depending on the period of monitoring you set. They'll either go off 1, 5, 15, or 30 minutes later. Oh, okay. All right. That would work. Thank you. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, if you'd like to take on one remodeling project that can increase the value of your home and improve curb appeal for years to come, installing a new front entry door can do both. Yep, and there have been surveys that showed that when you install a new front entry to your home, you can get a pretty dramatic boost in what home buyers think 
your home is worth, which leads to a lot more interest at the time of sale. There's a perceived value of about $25,000 that gets added on average to a house that's got a beautiful new entry. So it's kind of crazy, but it's really important. It's going to get people to stop, not only at your door if you're driving by, but just as important, it'll be able to pay attention to your house if the photo of it is in a listing online, which so many people, of course, use first to scan houses. That's true. Now, when you look for a new door, you have to remember that they're available in a bunch of different materials like wood or steel. But new fiberglass entry doors can really look so much like the real wood that it's hard to tell the difference. And I find that with the fiberglass doors, they're far more energy efficient than both the wood or steel options. And they often come with multi-point locks that make them almost impossible to break into. We've had uh, two, our front and our back door are both fiberglass, and they're absolutely beautiful, and they look just like wood. And I've had them now for, gosh, probably 10 years, and they just look good. They just don't wear. So really happy with the fiberglass. Now, when it comes to installation, it is not for the inexperienced DIYer, certainly not a do-it-yourself job, perhaps at all, especially if it's a larger door. I think it would be better for you to hire a pro for that particular project, uh, because removing the old door is going to open your house to the elements. you got to make sure, of course, that everything is going to fit properly. Uh, Speaking of which, too, uh, measuring is going to be critical here. So if you do work with a window and door supplier, they'll do the measuring for you this way. They'll make sure that the door is going to fit inside that opening without any additional work. But it's a great project. It's going to add value to your house and make it look so much better from the outside. All right. Now we've got Paul coming up to the money pit. What is going on at your house and how can we help? Uh, I just bought a house that's um, about 110 years old. and it's a cedar shingles on the outside, uh, and it probably hasn't been painted in, in at least 20 years. So we're repainting the house, and um, I started working on I didn't know how much of the paint should be removed, um, seeing different things online, and I didn't know how much work to put in before we repaint it. So first of all, congratulations. Um, for Leslie and I, that's a baby. We have older <laughs> houses. <laughs> Still a younger one. But actually, I have cedar shingles, and they've been on the house for, um, well, we went through, at one point, we took off three layers of siding. I mean, the house is 130-something years old now. And uh, and we restored the cedar shingles over 40 years ago. And since then, it's gone through, I think, only two paint jobs. So the paint for us has been lasting a long time. And, and here's why. What we do is... When we, first of all, we don't use paint, we use stain. If your house was already painted one rather than stained, you know, the difference is the paint sort of sits on top of the shingles and the paint, the stain sort of soaks in. But if you already are dealing with a paint job, you're kind of stuck and you have to paint it again because you're not going to be able to get it all off. But in terms of how much you take off, you really want to make sure you're taking off everything that's loose. And so if you're scraping it and you're wire brushing it, uh, and you're, you're loosening up as much as, as you can, that, that's all you can do because you, know, you can't put good paint over bad paint, so you have to get mm-hmm. the loose stuff off. And the next thing that I would recommend you do, which is really an important step, is to make sure you prime it and not just put another coat of paint on it, but because the primer is, think of it as the adhesive. It's the glue that makes the, ta- the paint stick. So you want to prime it properly, and then you put a paint on top of the primer. It will come out so much better and last a lot longer if you prime it. So you don't want to skip that step. I would not recommend the primer and paint one for this particular project. Uh, whatever brand you use, I would use a name brand. You know, I would use a, a Benjamin Moore or Sherwin-Williams. I would stick within their line for whatever primer they recommend with the particular uh, finish that you choose. And if you prime it and paint it, I think you can get a, a paint job that's going to last you, you know, hopefully uh, eight to ten years.
Well, to help celebrate Dad, we have launched a sweepstakes. Today is the, what, we're getting on almost the last few days here to help you win tools for Dad. It's the last weekend. It's called the DIY Dad Giveaway, and we've got 10 sets of tools, 10 from Arrow Giveaway. Each one is worth 120 bucks. going out to 10 lucky winners. That's right. Each set includes both a T50 and a PT50 Arrow stapler, as well as an Arrow GT300 high-temp glue gun. And these are the perfect tools for taking on dozens of projects around the house, and they're going to give your dad years of use. Now the sweepstakes ends Sunday at midnight, so enter once a day at MoneyPit.com and be sure to take advantage of the many, many ways you can earn extra entries by subscribing to our podcast or visiting us on social media. Betty in California needs some help with a toilet question. What can we do for you today? I'm interested in uh, the high-rise toilet, and I'd like the pros and cons and possibly a brand because our plumber's thinking of using Kohler, the quick flush, and we're on well water, and that's it. Well, there's really no, there's really no, uh, no cons of using a, a comfort height toilet, which is what that's cause, called, not a high-rise, but comfort height. They're a bit higher than a standard toilet. Uh, and in terms of brands, one that I can recommend is called American Champion 4. I've got uh, American Champion uh, comfort height toilets in, in our house, and really doesn't matter what age you are. They're just easier to use. And the other benefit is that they use very little water and they don't clog. So I would take a look at the American Standard Champion 4 toilets and just get the accessible size and you'll be good to go. All right, Patty, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, adding new blinds is a great way to spruce up the inside of your home. It's an easy DIY project to get done, too. In fact, Leslie, you just went through this entire process with SelectBlinds.com. So I want to talk about that experience, and especially how do you know whether you should go with an inside or an outside mounted blind? Because I think people get confused about that. Yeah, you know, I did. I actually ordered some fabric shades, some Roman shades for our dining room because I changed the whole look of the window treatments in there, and some new shades for my son Charlie's room. Now, for the boys, I went with blackout shades, and for the dining room, I went with something that was a little bit more airy and lighter, but still kind of clean and modern looking, which for me is just a simple modern Roman shade. And I love that while I was like, oh, I'm just going to get white. And then I looked on the website, and there was like, a hundred thousand different shades of white fabrics. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to order 15 samples, and then I will decide. So, I mean, that was hugely helpful because I got to hold the fabrics in my hand, put them up next to the drape, make sure I liked how it was going to look, and that made the selection process super easy. Now, I knew I wanted an inside mount because I like to see the frame on the window. My windows are very large. I like the architectural feel of that. I feel like when I do an inside mount, it feels very clean and crisp. And then if I do an outside mount, it's because I want it to feel a little bit more traditional, or maybe I'm going with more of a decorative style of shade, something that has like a valance or a little bit more of a soft, you know, not such a a stiff Roman, but more of like a soft fold to it. So it depends on what type of shade I'm getting and what I want to see on that window. Now, I will say I did go with inside mount for Charlie's room with a blackout shade, and I just get the slightest little bit of light bleed on the sides because they make it just a drop smaller to fit into the inside mount. So it doesn't bother us. He's sleeping fantastically. So it's, you know, it's it's a personal preference. If you want a fully blackout shade in the room, definitely go with an outside mount because that'll just cover up everything. But we had no problems with the inside mount. And you also have to be really careful when you're measuring because so many windows are slightly different. You might have a run of windows and one's a half inch bigger, a quarter inch smaller. 
stuff like that. So the system on their website I liked about Select Blinds was that as I was ordering each window, I could label like Charlie's Room Window 1. So that when everything came, even if they were slightly off, I was able to know exactly which window to install it in. So you want to make sure you measure for an inside mount inside the window frame along the top where the mounting brackets are going to go and give them the exact measurement of that inside mount. And they'll they'll shorten it, make it more appropriate to fit. And you also have to look, if you're looking at a wood blind or a different type of shade, make sure that the depth of that product will fit in the depth of your window. Because if you go with something that's way too deep and you have sort of a shallow jam in that window, it's not going to work. That bracket's not going to fit. So look at all of those measurements and then look specifically at that product, and that will help you find the right one for your room. Now, both inside and outside mounts can work and work well, and selectlines.com walks you through the measurement process with videos and a step-by-step worksheet. So you're going to pretty much get everything that you need to know. And today's tip was presented by SelectBlinds.com, providing all the inspiration, tools, and expert advice you need to choose, order, and install the right product and style to meet your needs, while saving you hundreds and a lot of time, too. SelectBlinds will even ship you a kit with 15 free samples, so you'll get a chance to see the quality of the blinds and make sure the color works before you place the order. And you'll always get at least 40% off with daily deals and discounts and always free shipping and delivery on everything, so you never have to wait for a sale. Check out selectblinds.com. They really make it easy and convenient to order new blinds or shades for your home, and they save you time and money. Pick up the phone, call us with your home improvement question at 888-MONEYPIT or post it at facebook.com slash themoneypit. That's where Elaine finds us. That's right. Elaine writes, I have a newly installed bathroom vanity laminate countertop drop-in sink. The plumber caulked around the sink, which looks very nice. Is there a product that I can apply over the caulk to keep it snow white? Maybe a crystal clear acrylic? That's a really interesting question, Elaine. It's one I don't think we've ever been asked before. Is there a way to keep caulk? It's um, pretty color is pretty bright shade when it's first installed the answer is no dry your countertop (laughs) clean it all the time i mean it's a bathroom so things are just inherently going to get mold and get mildew and get a little grimy even i find the mold uh even i find the caulk that's antimicrobial i feel like it still looks a little dingy over time i think it's just a matter of keeping down the water that's on that counter surface I think you're absolutely right, and I've uh, you know I've always been a little bit distrustful of the claims of being you know guaranteed mold proof because it does just get a little dingy no matter what so you do. Water. Now, I just actually tried a brand new one in my bathroom, and I won't tell you the name of it, but if it works out, I will um, because <laughs> I had a huge I had uh, you know I had to replace the uh, well. It's one of those projects where it starts slow and just builds from there. I wanted to regrout the tile because it was getting a little dingy, and there was some chunks of grout falling out. Of course, that turned into you know regrouting everything and and also recaulking and now I'm like I can think we need new hardware in the cabinets so I bought new hardware but the cabinets hinges the new ones don't fit the old ones they they fit but they're <laughs> off just like half no a half a screw you hole did a right lot of projects they're, they're off one. half a screw hole you know how when you, when you know you get it it's close but it's just off that uh, little bit so that when you put the screw in it's going to pull the wrong way uh-huh. so of course that turned in me filling every hole in the cabinet doors and drawers now to be able to do these again so it's climbing but anyway, with respect to the caulk, no, you do not have to seal it. Just enjoy it. Uh, keep it dry, as dry as possible. That will cut back on the mold and the mildew. And uh, perhaps maybe take a look at your bath exhaust fan. Make sure it's on a humidistat so that the moisture, always, when it's always high, the moisture will keep it running. And when it dries out, it'll stop. 
All right. Good luck with that. Now we've got a post here from Hudson in New Jersey who writes, we're planning to gut our ranch and redo the entire interior. I want to come up with some layouts before calling a contractor. And I realize I can't mess with those load bearing walls. But how do I know which ones are the load bearing walls? Well, I mean, first of all, it's a technical question. If you're gutting your home, I would definitely hire an architect before you hire a contractor because that's the architect's job. You know, they're going to understand the design options and the way to save some money more than you will. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you want to sort of mess with some layouts, and that's not a bad idea. But even before you get the contractor in, if it's that level of a project, I would hire a an architect to kind of work through those details. Now, in terms of bearing walls, I mean, you, you can mess with them, so to speak, but you have to do it right. I mean, you can take a bearing wall and you can open it up and you can have different types of of girders and beams that support that load. It's just a little more complicated. So it's a cost consideration, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. If you want one rule of thumb, and let's say we're talking about a colonial or a ranch, a pretty typical house, the bearing wall is usually the wall in the middle that's parallel with the front and the back wall. Yeah. And you know, Hudson, this is a big project. So if you get a pro involved early, like an architect they're going to help you figure out what the best layout is, and they'll help you avoid those load-bearing walls unless you absolutely need to for the space. But definitely go with a pro so that you get this done right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of this beautiful summer day. I don't think it's officially summer yet, but heck, we're going to consider that it is because we are all here in the summer mood and we are taking on our summer projects and we assume and we're sure you are as well. Remember, you can reach out to us with questions about those projects 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT and always on moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 